0: Alright, it's Monday night, October 2nd, 2017, it's about 11.45 p.m. here. Uh, I've been sitting here, kind of spaced out all night, just kind of thinking about Tom Petty. News came down today that uh, he's had a heart attack, critical condition, uh, clinging to life. So yeah, you know, he... uh, You carry the music that you listen to with you through your life, growing up, good times, bad times. So so it it just means so much to me. I wanted to take this time before the show starts, the uh, regular podcast that I got coming up here for you, just to uh, take a moment, say a rock and roll prayer, send out my good vibrations. Uh, I'm playing some guitar tonight, singing some songs. So let's uh, roll another joint. Thanks for the beautiful rock and roll music. Thanks for the joy. Thanks, Tom. Keep on swinging. Don't back down.
1: Stand me up at the gates of hell, and I won't back down. I'm gonna.
2: Is here, my daughter Adria, they're all, I'm, I'm really on my best behavior tonight. And, but I did, I wanted to tell you one little thing, you know, I, I got into town in 1974 and uh, I was signed by Denny Cordell to Leon Russell's Shelter Records. And uh, Leon brought me over to his house and he said, I want you to just hang around, and uh, he liked the songs I'd done, and if, if it comes to a thing where we need some words, I need you to be here, and, I, and I'll pay you for it, and, I, and he's gonna pay me, I was gonna be there, right? So, the first session, in comes George Harrison and Ringo, Jim Keltner, and they didn't need any words, but those cats were so cool, you know? And I found myself, after the session, when we were hanging out, I found myself slipping my sunglasses on, you know. Leon said, what the hell are you doing with the dark glasses, man? I said, I don't know, that feels cool, you know, like Jimmy Keltner, he's got his, he goes. He said, wearing sunglasses at night is an honor you earn. Lou Adler had Johnny Rivers and the Mamas and Papas before he put them glasses on. (laughs) Jack Nicholson made really shitty Boris Karloff movies before he put them glasses on. Well, putting my glasses on. Well, I thank Leon for that advice, and uh, I was going to tell you, I, I was fortunate enough to know the great Johnny Cash, and uh, I loved him since I saw him on the Hoot Annie television show in 1962 they filmed in uh, Gainesville, Florida. Well, I actually didn't see him that week. He, the paper said he was a little loopy and punched a policeman and did not appear that night, and, and I loved him. I loved all his songs, uh, you know, Hey Porter, Don't Take Your Guns to Town, Big River. You I mean, young songwriters, you, you want to be a songwriter, just listen to Big River about 60 times, and you'll write something. But uh, we made an album together, Johnny and the Heartbreakers, and it won the Grammy for Best Country Record of the Year. And without ever being played once on a country record station. But that's all right, because it was actually a rock and roll record, you know. Johnny was pretty rock and roll. And this morning, I was looking through a box and uh, a card fell out. And it was from John on my 50th birthday. And it said, happy birthday. You're a good man to ride the river with. And that's all I want to be, good man to ride the river with, and I'm going to keep riding the river. Thank you.
0: Like us, the Bruce Springsteen podcast episode forty-two, the worst of Bruce Springsteen in the eighties. So I'm happy to bring you another crossover episode this time with the Rock and or Roll podcast, one of my favorite podcasts with BJ Cramp and kind of his offshoot shows that he does with Brian Sword. He does episodes about Bruce Springsteen called "Getting Bossy," and he also does this really cool series called "The Worst of," where they pick a band and then they just go through you know five picks of what they think is the worst of that artist's material. So so BJ invited me on his show to do the worst of Bruce Springsteen. You know, I was happy to do this e- episode. I, lo- I love BJ's show. I can talk about the worst of Bruce Springsteen. Like, he has his share of songs that I'm not too excited about. So I was looking forward to this episode until they told me we're doing worst of Bruce Springsteen in the 80s which makes it a little more difficult because uh, I'm a big fan of Bruce's 80s outputs. You know, it was a little more difficult for me to reach, to search for some uh, some songs that I could deem the worst of Bruce in the 80s. So, yeah, it made for uh, uh, a fun and controversial discussion with these two guys, Brian and BJ's. But before we get into that, some Bruce Springsteen in Toronto news. Bruce Springsteen just played the Invictus Games last night, uh, which was Saturday September 30th, uh, the closing ceremonies. He did three songs acoustically, and then he got up and he played a couple of songs with Brian Adams. I know a few guys that were at that show, so hopefully I'm going to be able to bring you an episode in the next few weeks where we talk about that a little bit, as well as a couple other East readers are going to be in town in Toronto over the next few weeks. I'm lucky enough to have tickets for Little Stephen and the Disciples of Soul in Toronto on October 9th, and then the following night, October 10th, I'm going to go see Max Weinberg's Jukebox, the legendary Horseshoe Tavern in Toronto. So, two E Streeters playing shows in Toronto, back-to-back. Steven doesn't have a show the following night. I know Max doesn't have a show the previous night. So, uh, you know, we'll see what happens, and hopefully we can bring an episode talking about uh, all three of those events, those three guys showing up in Toronto over the next few weeks. So, here we go. Let's check out this uh, crossover episode with the Rock and or Roll podcast the worst of Bruce Springsteen in the 80s. One, two, keyboards
3: keyboards down, down. three, four. This is the worst.
2: 35-year-old rock superstar Bruce Springsteen was married by candlelight early this morning. His bride, 25-year-old television actress Julianne Phillips, the wedding party gathered with family and friends at midnight for the quiet private ceremony at a Catholic church in the suburbs of Portland, Oregon.
4: They uh, wanted a church wedding along with all the goodies. Uh, she had a beautiful wedding gown and Bruce said his tux on and, and we had the family there and immediate friends. They wanted it quiet.
2: Springsteen and Phillips were originally planning to get married on Wednesday, but he was so afraid it was going to turn into a media circus, they moved up the day.
5: You're listening to Rock and/or Roll, and actually, you're sort of listening right now to a a massive crossover episode. Because that's the this is not this is a crossover between Rock and Roll and Tramps like us, but it's also a crossover between Getting Bossy and Worst of. So it's like a a crossover within <laughs> the Rock and Roll universe. Yeah, three way crossover. Yeah, we I, I could call this Getting Bossy or Worst of or both. I don't know. <laughs> I'm not sure how I'll tag it, but. Uh, Worst of Bossy? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) So I'm joined by, of course, Brian Sword, my co-host for the Worst of and Getting Bossy series.
6: Hello,
5: sir. Hello, Brian. And we're also joined by Mr. Lee McCormick, the uh, host of the Tramps Like Us podcast, the Bruce Springsteen podcast. Hello, Lee. Uh,
0: Hey, man. Thanks for having me back.
5: And all three of us just met face-to-face a little more than a week ago at the Nashville Rock and Pod Expo. So, uh, lots
0: of fun, lots of fun. Yeah, yeah we it was had, amazing. It was a amazing. great time.
5: I'm sure people who listen to all these podcasts are probably getting pretty sick of hearing about it sick of <laughs> hearing at something. this point. Uh, I just fast-forwarded through the KISS room so I could hear myself say shit live on the, on the radio when I was talking to Matt Porter. <laughs>
0: um, one of the good things that comes out of the National Rock and Pod Expo is all these collaborations, right? So, yeah. so this, is, this is one of the results the show, all three of us getting together to to uh, put together.
5: Yeah, we were supposed to try to record this at the expo, but it just yeah. didn't happen, unfortunately. Uh, one thing I learned from the expo is apparently I have the voice of a short person because everybody's remarking on how tall I am, and <laughs> yeah. they almost have thought I was short by hearing my voice. And I'm not that tall. I'm not like John Lamero <laughs> at all. Yeah. I'm, I'm 6 feet, maybe six one. that's about it. So, um, but yeah, I've heard that on several podcasts now about how tall I am, so...
0: Well, it's just amazing when you hear someone's voice on the radio or on a podcast, you just kind of mentally have a... Yeah. In your head of what yeah, that exactly. face, what that voice looks like. And then you see the person, and it's never what you expect, right?
5: Yeah, it's true. It's true. Yeah, there was a
6: lot of that the first time everybody met each other, like the night before the expo, yeah. where people were just kind of like shaking their heads a little bit because maybe the who they were meeting wasn't exactly what they pictured,
5: yeah. you know? <laughs> oh, man, I remember when Saturday morning when uh, Craig Smith and Eric Miller walked into the... Building that was surreal because I've seen a lot of pictures of those guys and I've talked to those guys a lot. And (laughs) yeah, just being face to face with them, yeah, it was. It it was, I guess, it really was the same dynamic as when you see a celebrity in person, you know, but just our version of a celebrity or just somebody you're so familiar (laughs) with. And now here they are in front of you,
6: yeah, all over from all over North America, too, which is really cool.
5: Yeah, it was, yeah, it was so much fun. But here we are back on Skype, um, ready to. Shit all over some Bruce Springsteen songs from the '80s. Uh, I hope Lee can handle this. <laughs> oh, this is
0: this is tough, man. Like I, I, you guys are handicapping me here. Like we're only picking the worst songs of the '80s, and uh, you know those those four records he put out in the '80s are like in my top five. Bruce records, like,
7: <laughs> yes. so
0: it was it was a struggle for me to come up with five. I got to tell you, so I think I'm probably most be mostly going to be disputing your picks <laughs> and saying saying how much uh, I really like this song, even though I'm picking it for it worst.
5: <laughs> well, I I like the majority of Springsteen songs from the '80s, but yeah. you know, there's some unfortunate missteps, perhaps. We'll see. We'll, see. <laughs> <laughs> well, so Bruce Springsteen, Bruce Springsteen in the '80s, I was thinking. Well, because I was thinking, what you have is with "Darkness in the River," it seems like you had a brain dump. <laughs> you know that term, like he he wrote and recorded. I mean, this isn't even exaggerating. but hundreds of songs? Yeah. At that time. Yeah. yeah. So, hundreds of songs
0: in like a two-three year period. Yeah. Like Seventy to eighty-one. Or right. Whatever, you
5: know? It was it was insane, and yeah. So that you know, the ties that bind turns into a double album, and despite all of his obsessing over born in the run and darkness being these cohesive thematic albums the river you know feels far less calculated than that but,
0: but that's the genius of it that's what he wanted he wanted a variety of things on there he wanted a representation of the live show you know like some deep stuff some ballads some party rock all that kind of stuff
5: yeah it's but it's a weird mix it has some very serious moments but then yeah then it just has like you know party rock and uh but it really seems like with the river, he, the the band weren't taking themselves quite so seriously, at that point as Born the Run in Darkness. And, and that's probably
0: a good thing. Like if they had put out a, like a third heavy duty serious album in a row, it might have been you know too much for Bruce. Like if he had put Nebraska out, then it might have been too much all at once. You know, too much too soon. Yeah. Need a little levity in there. A little little Sherry Darling. A little I'm a rocker.
5: Right. <laughs> Yeah, and me, me and Brian already did... We did our episode where we talked about if he had released The Ties That Bind and then put out yeah. another album. And The Ties That Bind, I think, would have been a very strong album if he had released it. For sure, absolutely. Yeah, I agree. But, and, the, you know, we've talked enough about the album cover of The River <laughs> on various <laughs> podcasts. But yeah, he's got his big hit single with Hungry Heart and the, I, a, a massive tour, I think, right? Just... Yeah. A yeah, long, crazy tour, and he's really becomes a star at that he's point. Going to
0: Europe. He hadn't been to Europe since like the Born to Run tour, so he's back in Europe, and
5: right. You know. And so he's finally got his long-sought, you know, success. And then, of course, what does he do next? A bleak acoustic album recorded on a four-track. <laughs> right. And uh, but what's what's difficult to comprehend is that a lot of what becomes Born in the USA comes out of the same batch of songs as Nebraska. So it was almost like Nebraska was a detour on the road to Born in the USA. Really, that's what it is. Like he was working towards Born in the USA already when Nebraska, when he decides to release Nebraska, which, you know, I'm sure all three of us love Nebraska. It's really great. But also to follow up his first successful record with that was pretty self-destructive, at least on the surface. Totally, yeah. Well, he's also, he's
0: always been known for making like drastic left turns, right? Yeah. Like after Born in the USA, he goes in a tunnel of love. Yeah, and, exactly. Yeah, you know, you know, stuff like yeah. that. Yeah. And after that, he breaks the whole band up and he goes to LA. And so he's, you know, he's always trying to be unpredictable, I think. Predictable to himself as well.
6: Definitely doesn't want to do the same album two times in a row, that's for sure.
5: <laughs> that, yeah, that's for sure. Uh, unless it's Human Touch Lucky Town. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I guess there's a slightly different.
6: Even then, what he follows up with after that too, he goes, you know,
5: yeah, right back to
6: the folk music. So.
5: Right, right, yeah. Right. But uh, of course, born in the USA like rivals Thriller for just ludicrous success, just yeah. like not success no one could have ever even imagined. And also, suddenly, Springsteen has morphed into like this beefed up caricature. Of himself, whatever the fuck yeah. image he was cultivating for a little while there. It's just the '80s were just fucking weird, man. They were just fucking <laughs> weird. And you know, Springsteen in the '80s, Born of the USA era, is pretty fucking weird to look back on it. <laughs> just whatever the hell he was up to with the uh, bodybuilding and the bandanas and the I don't know.
0: <laughs> well, it sold me. It sold, it sold me as a ten-year-old kid. Like, yeah. Like I said before, like I was a big. I love Rocky and Rambo, and when I saw that Born in the U.S.A. video, and he came out with his leather jacket and his headband, and he looked like Rambo, and his you know arms were like muscular now and stuff.
5: I loved and Rambo in, too <laughs> as a kid, yeah.
0: And it was in like the '80s, right? So you had a lot of the you know a lot of Flash, Michael Jackson, Prince, Madonna, a lot of the you know flashy metal bands at the time, and then you have Springsteen doing his take on it with just you know jeans and a white t-shirt. And, I kind of like that, um, you know, that the uh, sort of dichotomy between, you know, the fashion of the 80s and what he brought to the pop fashion world.
5: Yeah, it's just fucking weird. It's yeah. all weird. I don't know.
0: I used to dress like that when I was a kid. I was like, ah, oh, I'm going need, to, I need a bunch of white t-shirts. I was a jeans and a white t-shirt guy, you know, in grade three because of Bruce Springsteen.
5: And then, of course, then of course, he only, like Lee already mentioned, he only had one more album after that in the '80s, and again, of course, not as stripped down as Nebraska, but pretty stripped down, pretty bleak record. Um, definitely not what the record company was probably hoping he would follow up "Born in the USA" with. Just the same way they were, I'm sure they wanted a different follow up to "The River," but. Yeah.
6: But when you reach that level of success, yeah, you can't do the same album. It'll never. Yeah, it's too successful. You have to change gears, or else it just sounds repetitive, and then it flops. You know, yeah, he, he he couldn't really win after that much success. Who's ever had that huge a record and followed up with another record that huge? Like you look at Alanis Morissette, who had you know an absurdly huge record. It was too big to follow up and be that successful again. Even Michael Jackson didn't do it.
5: You know, but I don't know what you guys think, but I think the production of Born in the USA is pretty awkward and pretty dated, and. I don't know. Not some of the choices were not the best choices. I don't
0: mind it. I mean, like it's it's dated, but it's it's it sounds nostalgic to me. It reminds me of what music sounded like in 1984, and you know that's why I like a lot of 80s music because of that. And it does the production does sound dated and some of the instrumentation and stuff like that. But you know a lot of that stuff is kind of the appeal to me now. Hindsight, looking back on that music, like the the keyboards on Born in the USA and. Dancing in the dark used to annoy me, but now I I kind of dig it. You know, it's yeah I, I can listen to them with different ears now that I'm a bit older.
5: Yeah, I'm not one to really care about 80s production at all. You know, I love most I love most of like the hits from the 80s and everything. But I think with those songs, I'm born in the USA. Some of it's pretty weird. Like it, yeah. I don't think it works on it to a certain degree.
0: It'd be funny to hear what that record would have sound like if it had like. Just raw, you know, rock production. And yeah. If, if if the drums sounded more dry, if there was less keyboards, like, would those songs still be as good? You know, would that record still be as big as it was? Mm-hmm. Or was it the time and the perfect sounds for 1984, '85?
8: You know.
5: All
6: right. Let's pick a song.
5: Yeah. Let's uh, start counting down our song So, who wants to start with their number five? Lee. How, are we
0: to, how are we going to do this too if we uh Yeah,
5: who wants to end? I guess a better question is who should end. <laughs> we
0: double up on our picks too, right?
5: Yeah, that's all right. Yeah, that no, might it happen. Happens. Yeah. It
6: happens, yeah.
0: But if you guys pick one, should I say oh that's my number 2 or something like that or should I just wait until my number 2?
6: Just two? wait, just wait.
5: Okay. Yeah.
6: Yeah. So, so BJ, do you want Lee to go first or do you want Lee to go last?
5: What do you want to do, Lee? Who do uh. you want to go? <laughs> I don't know who.
6: Maybe I'll go first because you guys probably have
0: probably more songs that you don't like than I do.
6: Okay, so you go first, and then BJ, you go last. So I'll go. I'll go after. uh,
5: Okay, I don't know if my number one is that much of a like stellar closer, but
6: (laughs) (laughs) so in order, we had to pick our five worst
0: Bruce Springsteen songs from the '80s. So we're we're looking at those four studio albums and uh, you know B-sides and stuff like that. So my number five pick is "Cautious Man" off of Tunnel of Love.
9: Bill Orton was a cautious man of the road He walked looking over his shoulder And remained faithful to his code When something caught his eye He'd measure his need And then very carefully he'd proceed
0: yeah, I like this song. It's got great lyrics, but it, it never really hit me. It never, I never really thought it really fit or stood out on that record. You know, it's basically it's a simple song. It's just acoustic and synth. It's kind of a Nebraska-esque song, and it kind of sticks out amongst the other kind of Tunnel of Love tunes on that record a little bit, you know. But uh, i got to say, though, as I was analyzing this song to get ready for this episode... The more I analyzed it, I started liking it. So I, <laughs> so, I, so I, had, I, had to kind of like stop getting into it and just go with my initial feeling of, uh, yeah, it doesn't really jump out to me on that record. But because as I got into the lyrics, I'm like, oh, this is this is kind of a cool song about a guy that's he's got tattoos on his hands that say love and fear, and he's trying to choose between his his regular life and his marriage life. And I was kind of getting into that, but uh, just you know, just on the surface, I, I didn't really like this song, and it doesn't really stand out for me on that Tunnel of Love album.
5: I don't mind yeah. that one. I, it, it doesn't stand out, I guess, but it's definitely not one of my least favorites.
0: Yeah, and even though I'm picking it as my worst, like my number five worst song, I still probably like it you know, a lot more than you know a lot of other Bruce Bruce songs. So.
5: Yeah, like I mean, you, at least it's not Rockabilly. <laughs> 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 yeah. <Sorry. laughs>
9: Now Billy was an honest man He wanted to do what was right He worked hard to fill their lives With happy days and loving nights Alone on his knees in the darkness For steadiness he'd pray For he knew in a restless heart the seed
6: of betrayal Okay, mine's next Okay, okay. So, the Nebraska album Whoa. Is an album that I listen to more and more As time goes by And as time goes by There's one song that I like less and less So as I like the album more I like this song less This one will probably piss off BJ <laughs> But I'm going to go with My Father's House off Nebraska
5: Oh, man. Yeah. Hurts. That hurts. Oh, damn.
6: <laughs> the more I listen to this album, the, the, the more that song falls. I know lyrically it's got something going on, but I still find it dull musically. Uh, so I don't care how great the lyrics are. A boring song is a boring song. And that song, is, as time goes on, bores me more and more.
9: I heard the wind rustling. Mostly voices Rose from the fields I ran with my heart pounding Down that broken path With the devil Snapping at my heels
5: well, I think it in a in a major way, I don't even think of Nebraska as individual songs, so that's just a part of Nebraska, but, you know, there wasn't anything from Nebraska, spoiler alert, that was even in consideration for my yeah. list, <laughs> so...
0: The lyrics on that song, I think, are, is, is what, why you can't pick it as one of the worst songs. I think it's a, it's a great song, and it's one of those songs that he really used to, you know, represent the relationship he had with his father, so...
6: Uh, uh, setting aside the lyrics, I still like... If it's just on, I find it boring. I
9: ran till I fell Shaking in his arms
4: Alright, All
5: right, my number five... Let's see, I've written a series of clever quips. (laughs) This one is from the river, and when I just think about the other songs he could have put on the river instead of this one, uh, it's a song called Ramrod, which I wrote, this "This is the song you go to the bathroom during at the John Cafferty and the Beaver Brown Band concert. (laughs) And he he calls her Little Dolly and Sugar, and uh, then we get car metaphors. Yeah. It's almost like the if you know how Weird Al does those songs which are he parodies a style but not a specific song. So this is like the Weird Al Bruce Springsteen style parody. Um, you nuts, I, man. you're
0: nuts. This is the Come on,
5: come man. on, little Dolly, come on, come on, sugar. That you know, that's the chorus, right? This is
0: rock and roll lyrics, man. <laughs> this is about a guy on a Saturday night that's got a girl and he's got a hot rod and they're gonna party and they're having a good time and they're gonna <laughs> dance and they're gonna go ramrod and there's sexual metaphors and <laughs>
5: I knew I was going to get to leave with this one. Well, here, let me read what I wrote. Let me read this cleverly crafted shit. Okay. This song seems like it was written post-head injury. Like he came out of a fever dream coma just singing this nonsense along to the beat of the heart monitor. And then I wrote, it's like a distillation of every bad impulse Springsteen has in the studio to just hammer out some cookie-cutter Heartland rock and then he puts uh, the record instead of roulette so <laughs> that's i don't know blasphemy
0: man this is i think it's
5: <laughs> blasphemy <laughs>
0: groove on this song man that is the song is, is, is gold just for that Clarence Clarence uh, Clement sax on this which bruce wrote the song specifically so Clarence could play that sax solo. Uh,
5: i think well, I, don't, I, don't I don't know i don't know if wrote for. is the correct word
0: <laughs> you obviously haven't seen this live man this live this song tears the roof off the fucking place
6: when he plays this live come on
5: <laughs> i was in this, the bathroom this,
6: this is everything i hope for and more guys, guys. <laughs> bruce springsteen playing his guitar on
0: his mic stand doing those slides and shit and he's oh oh my god so old. do they
5: do it like a longer version
0: Oh, yeah, like, you usually get about 12, 15 minutes of ramrod. No, no,
5: no, no, no. Oh, yeah. You're kidding.
6: Plenty of time to go k- take a league and get a beer and <laughs> then go back to the seat. You got the shtick with Steve, man. You got to love that. The
0: Three Stooges stuff, that all happens in this song, man. You So back to me. So, uh, yeah, Slim Pickens here. So, (laughs) I'm picking the B side for Brilliant Disguise for my number four worst Bruce song of the 80s, which is Lucky Man. There's not much to this song. It seems unfinished. It's like there's one chord, one groove, kind of one verse melody through this whole thing. It's barely two chords. I think he gets a four or five chord somewhere there in the progression. Yeah, the lyrics are like nonsensical to me. Like it's uh, Although he does get bonus points for mentioning Calgary in the lyrics, which I thought was pretty cool. Um, But they're kind of throwaway lyrics. I don't really get what he's talking about in this. it's, it's kind of like that one chord. I would have preferred maybe like a raw or bluesier one chord Howlin' Wolf kind of arrangement on this, but when you put the kind of 80s Tunnel of Love production with it and it's got a really shitty bad guitar tone, yeah, Lucky Man is uh, not much for me. I could do without this song for sure.
5: Definitely contender for my list and uh, definitely a song that you know why it's a B-side. <laughs> There's no confusion yeah. as to why that one's a B-side.
0: Sounds like an idea he started and he never really... Finished it and you just like ah, I just throw it on as a B side or something like that. Yeah, something.
5: yeah.
6: Yeah, I didn't do any B sides on my list, but definitely if I did that would be on the list for sure.
0: Yeah. I had to, man. I had to I couldn't come up with five if I I'm
6: Okay, I guess I'm up. Yep. Okay, my number four will probably make Lee reasonably uh, happy and relieved because I chose Cautious Man. Ah. <laughs> so,
0: You're on the same page a little bit there.
6: A little bit there. So Tell of Love is, is one of my absolute favorite Springsteen albums. I didn't get it really when it came out. I think it was a little too mature because I was, you know, Immature. <laughs> I was like 14 or something yeah, yeah, when it came out, yeah. so that was just well beyond me. But yeah, as I cool. grew up, my appreciation for that that album has really, you know, really grown. Uh, now, when I put this record on, I always put it on side two first. Right. It just feels better. I've mentioned this before on this show. It feels better to me as an opening side of an album side two. So for me, when I put this record on, Cautious Man is buried near the end because it's the second last song on side one. And it's just kind of like, that's where it belongs for me. It's like buried at the end. You know, I, again, I'm not a lyrics guy. So setting that aside, I just find there's no hooks in this song, and I'm bored. And uh, I wish it wasn't on the album, frankly. I think it'd be a better album if that song was gone.
5: Yeah, that song is driven by the lyrics. Huh? That's like that's mainly a lyrics song. A lyrics yeah, song.
6: I, I recognize that. And that's why I'm like, but still, if I'm just going to put it on and listen to it, it's boring. Yeah.
5: Yeah. I don't mind it, and probably just as much more in the context, like I was saying about My Father's House, probably the same thing with that, like, Tunnel of Love is a pretty cohesive album, too, except my next pick. <laughs> you,
0: you almost need that song in there just for the lyrics, because it's, the album is about, you know, uh, you know, you know hoping for love and your loss of love, and that's kind of just, you know, another piece of that story that he's trying to tell, so that's probably why it was included.
6: The perfect album to write when you just got married. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
5: Yeah, I think I think my my next pick is uh, probably going to offend everyone. I'm Sweet. kind of picking up on that. Um, it's from the same album, Tunnel of Love, and it's called Spare Parts. And uh, I think of this as swamp rock, which is a phrase that should not exist, <laughs> in my opinion. Um, this I don't like the guitar tone. Uh, you know, it's like that Alana Miles song, or I don't know. It's in that. It turns me off. I don't like this kind of song. I don't know if it's bl- it's bluesy, I guess. But you know yeah, what I mean like- by swap rock? Yeah. Isn't that what it is? Like, that kind of vibe? I don't like no, it. I, w-
0: I wouldn't say it's CCR rock. It's, yeah,
5: it's- yeah. I think this song is huge foreshadowing of human touch. Like it's- I agree. All the bad elements of human touch are in spare parts, I think.
6: I definitely think that this song, he ran with a little bit of this song on the next albums. Yeah. I agree with that. I'm not saying that's necessarily a bad thing, but I do agree. You, you hear some of the next albums in this song.
5: Yeah, I, ugh, I've just never liked it at all. And what is it? Is it third song? Third, yeah. Song four. Song four.
6: But,
5: yeah. Yeah. I do
0: think it's. I do think it's pretty cool that he's got a song that starts off with a lyric about a guy that should have pulled out but he didn't. You know. Well, oh yeah. Thing. Well, I wrote, I wrote,
5: I wrote, I guess, I guess Janie did lose heart after all, because this song, you know, he told Janie not to lose heart, and then look what happens to her in this fucking song, so.
0: If Bobby stayed in, but he should have pulled out. Right?
5: <laughs> yeah, yeah, Bobby. Yeah, Bobby, man. Bobby's going to make another appearance on my list. <laughs> <laughs> this, song, this song, to me, it's it's middle of the road. Like, I, I
6: like it, I don't love it, but I would never have put this on my list.
5: Ugh, uh, it just, yeah. It, I don't. Ugh.
6: What about you, Lee? Where is this song? a hold up for you.
0: Uh I don't mind it. I can see how you would put that on the list. Like it's, but on the Tunnel of Love record, it's kind of one of the only kind of like hard rocking songs, if you can call it a hard rocking song. So I like it for that reason. But uh, yeah, it's it's all right. It's not it's not a big one bro
4: <laughs>
6: All right, Lee, you're up, buddy.
0: I'm up. Okay, so my number three, continuing with uh, my Tunnel of Love picks, I'm picking All That Heaven Will Allow as my number three worst Springsteen song. And uh, like I'm going to say with a lot of these songs, the lyrics are good on this, but I don't like the delivery on this. I don't like the production. I think this song, this version sounds way too adult contemporary for me. It sounds like something I'd hear in a dentist office or in like a... Muzak in an elevator or something like that It sounds too nice, it's too square For Springsteen for me Uh, You know, the production is just It's too clean, it's too Pretty, the drums are lame On it, it's just like Max is just playing A very, very soft cross stick and stuff like that It's too soft, the keyboards are cheesy I will say I like the Mavericks version. The Mavericks did a country, like sort of a new country rock version of this in '94, and I think they did a fucking great version of this. Uh, Raul Malo sings it really well, sings it better than Bruce. Uh, the drums on the Mavericks version are great. Like they're really, they're slamming kind of a surf beat on this, and it really, you know, picks the song up. But uh, yeah, the Springsteen version is just too, uh, just too adult contemporary, too Michael Bolton for me, or whatever you know.
6: <laughs> it's, it's interesting you say that. Like, I, I think the song has got a bit too much. The chorus has is, has got a decent hook, and that's saved it for me. I'd love to hear this as a proper East Street song, though.
5: Yeah. yeah, it's it's corny, but I, you know, a a corny pop song is, is always going to bother me a lot less than a blues song. <laughs> it's just I can I can deal with a, you know, if it's if it's at least melodic, then it's probably not going to make my list when there's blues and rockabilly stuff to compete with it so you're nuts but yeah that's that is definitely not one of his uh, best moments and i was thinking as you were talking about it that's another one that could have been on human touch <laughs> you know yeah. that's true yeah yeah
6: Right. I'm amused by the ne- this next one my number three I'm just going to read out what I wrote because I really kind of yeah. did a bit of a brain dump as I wrote it number three is Ramrod <laughs> <laughs> and I wrote I just barfed out this this paragraph here he still plays this piece of shit live <laughs> of course he does <laughs> yeah Leo we went into a ten minute uh, know, speech I about know. it live <laughs> Of course he does, man. <laughs> Ugh, the worst. Rolling Stone has this as his number ninety-one in the in the top one hundred Bruce songs. What? Well, Rolling Stones knows fuck Clear- all. <laughs> then I put clearly Rolling Stone are a bunch of idiots. <laughs> well, that's not news. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> what I don't understand is it was never released as a single, but it still made it to number thirty in the charts. Like what the fuck, people? <laughs> You guys
0: are nuts. This is a great song, man. <laughs> I'm going to what again. Like,
6: his
0: guitar I, playing on this alone is reason for him playing this song every night.
6: I dislike this song so much that it would be on my list if he even did his full career. I would probably have Ramrod on my list. <sighs> well,
5: you guys have I, never
0: actually been drag racing or fixed up a car or anything,
5: have you? <laughs> <laughs> no, have you no, no. I've never been yes, drag racing. i changed
6: the oil on a car and I can change, I don't know, I've changed all kinds of stuff on cars. Ran- Have you ever
0: been ramrod in the back seat of a car?
5: <laughs> <laughs> With the little honey, the little sugar, come. <laughs> <All right. laughs> is that what he means when he says "come on"? I um, think so. Yeah.
4: <laughs>
0: <laughs> you guys are nuts. Everybody out there is listening. That's going ah, These guys are wrong. These guys are wrong. We all love Ramrod.
6: <laughs> Somebody's losing credibility here, but I don't think it's us, buddy. <laughs> all right. All right. How can you?
0: How can you not like good time rock and roll? Oh, ah, that's that's is just such, and it's right in the pocket. It's not too fast, not too slow. It's oh, he's playing in the key of F. He's playing it, It's just <laughs> it's an original key for. Oh, it's great.
5: I love it. <laughs>
6: <laughs> All right, BJ, you ear up, buddy. Let's All move right. on. Ramrod before.
5: I'm so, Lee I'm I'm, I'm gonna. Tonight. I probably need to apologize to Lee in advance for this <laughs> next trick. <laughs> Uh, It's the B-side of Glory Days. It's called Stand On It. It's just a generic nightmare. The deep-voiced Bruce with the echo effect. God, the fucking echo. And the Bobby's in this song again. He didn't pull out in the last song. And and now in this song, he's... Well, you were talking about Drag Race, and he's crashing a car into a fucking wall or something at the end. And, uh... (laughs) All right, let's see. What did I write here? Um... Well, for what, uh, you know, this is, I was talking about the board in the USA era production. I mean, the production in this song is fucking ludicrous. You know, I wouldn't even, li- I wouldn't like it if it was more like a raw, rough version, but that, yeah, that. but fucking producing it like uh, Bored in the USA, the worst production on board in the USA, and then it's this kind of a just simplistic, whatever kind of song it is. Um, I wrote. It sounds like the Fabulous Thunderbirds being covered by Pat Boone, which (laughs) that might be an exaggeration. (laughs) And I said... you
0: (laughs) you not like the rapid-fire Jimmy Lewis-esque vocals he does on this?
5: I said the B-side of the Glory Days 7-inch, so I want to take the record and stand on it so you can't ever play it. (laughs) It's even worse than Pink Cadillac, so that's how bad it is, so it's pretty... This is unlistenable. To I mean, oh, it's just to me, it's laughably bad. But um, you know,
0: you're way way out of line. (laughs) But
5: you're the one who included the B sides.
0: (laughs) you have obviously never seen this played live with the Swedish Cowboy Neil's.
5: Thankfully, I have not seen it played live.
0: All right, so I'm up next now.
5: Are we at number two up? already? Yeah. Number two. Okay. Number yeah.
6: two.
0: All right. So my, my number two. Uh, I, I went a little uh, maybe against the rules on this, but the song I picked was a single in the '80s. Oh. So I think it's it's I think it's allowable. So I'm picking the live version of "Fire" off the live '75 to '85 box set, which they released as a single. Now the performance is from 1978, but the song was a hit in '85. And I've never liked this song. I don't. I never liked the Bruce version. Uh, obviously, people know this song was written for Elvis after Bruce saw him live. Uh, Elvis, he tried to get the song to Elvis, but Elvis had passed away before it was able to get in his hands. Now, I think if Elvis had recorded it, recorded it, it might have been, you know, a big hit for the King, and it might have even like saved his life and given him another shot in his career. And I, uh, you know, I just the same way I always envisioned what the Ramones would have done with Hungry Heart. I always imagine what Elvis would have done with with this song, and I think it would have been a great hit. The Robert Gordon version is pretty good. Uh, the, the Pointer Sisters version I like a lot. That reminds me, you know, we shopping with my mom, late 70s, early 80s, and <laughs> stuff like that. But the Bruce the Bruce version I never liked. I always thought it was kind of a girl song, something like the soccer moms love, you know, like uh, like it's a it's a pop song. and I admit it's catchy as fuck uh, and stuff like that. But but just that bass part and the soft vocal in the verse is just kind of annoying, you know, like. Uh, and, and, and I guess the thing that ruined this song for me was uh, in the 90s, I played drums with a female country singer, and uh, she would always do this song. So just her awful version of this. You know, just,
4: <laughs> <laughs> just,
0: it just made this. No, like, this song's a, a thorn in my side, you know. And, there's that middle part that he tries to rock it up, you know, a little bit. You gotta hold on me right from the start. And it's just, it just it sounds like, like Linda Ronstadt rock and roll, you know. I don't know. Yeah, the drums again too subdued you got that lame cross stick on the drums and you know there's no guitar on this like it's all piano there's not even a sax solo so yeah i don't like fire and uh yeah, furthermore that robin williams elmer fudd skit i never liked that
6: <laughs> you know i'm going to go on record here saying that i never predicted when we started doing this episode that Lee would passionately hate a Bruce Springsteen song, like I just heard right there.
0: That was amazing. That was amazing, I don't Lee. like Fire, man. I don't like Fire. I know it's a hit, but...
5: Ugh. Hey, there's one he likes less, too. So. I know, right? Wow. <laughs> I, don't, I don't... Number two. I don't necessarily like Fire, but I think it's good songwriting. I think he that's, is, that's yeah. one that he was really wise to give away. Like, some of the songs he wanted to give away or gave away he was nuts, but that one makes perfect yeah, sense agree. that he... Yeah. Um, and I like
0: Porter Sisters version. I think yeah. they have a, a great version of that. You
6: know, that song's just way too catchy for me to put on my list. But I, I hear what you're saying, and I agree that it was a wise move to hand it off and let somebody else have a hit and just cash the checks. Yeah,
0: as soon as I hear that bass, do 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 I just be like, ugh.
5: And I also <laughs> think, I also think that it is next
6: next jam, next jam. We're gonna do <laughs> yeah <harder>. next year.
5: <laughs> It's very possible that would have been a hit for Elvis. I think very possible. I agree. I
6: agree. Absolutely. I agree that
0: his like you hear the Robert Gordon version and you kind of can hear like oh the kind of style that he was going for and what Elvis might have done with that. But yep. uh, you know, I think with the voice of the King on that, it might have been might have been a big hit.
7: I'm driving in my car. Turn on the radio I'm pulling you close But you just say no You say you don't like it Well girl, I know you're a liar Cause when we get can... Well, late at night I chase you home I say I want to stay You say you want to be alone You say you don't need me But you can't hide your desire Cause when we kiss, we mm, Couldn't tear it apart Got my nerves all jumping, acting like a fool Cause your kisses they burn But your heart stays cool Romeo and Juliet sex an and men delight Baby, you can be The love that didn't deny Well, now your words they split Your words, they lie Cause when we came
5: Okay, so right. sword, my, number, my two. number
6: two. My number two is Hungry Heart. <laughs> oh <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> this song before and I really I'm truly happy that Bruce finally had a really like a number one hit but I hate this song and I hate the fact that they sped up the tape to raise the pitch of his voice it doesn't even sound like him on the record yeah. I think it's a pedestrian song and it's an automatic skip for me whenever it comes on I just hate the song <laughs>
5: <laughs> I like that song I agree that speeding up the tape was unnecessary and oh, kind of weird um, yep
6: his, His vocals sound weird because of it.
0: I can't get away from that great Max Motown drum fill to kick it off. and yeah. oh,
5: Got a wife and kids in Baltimore, Jack. That's great. What a great opening line. I love it.
0: And the fact that it's such a happy song about a guy that's like decided to yeah. family, you know. and
5: <laughs> Yeah, that's hilarious. <laughs>
0: I will say the live version is tired. Cause it's it, the live version goes on too long he does crowd surfing and it's a lot of audience participation which gets boring yeah. for, for me but uh you know i can't deny that 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 studio track is a is a classic pop song
5: Okay, so my number two, um, I, the, to me, this is an obvious one. In fact, it might be coming up on a, other <laughs> lists. I don't know. But um, working on the highway, it's just a truly embarrassing, like, is this a Wiggles song? It's like children's music. And, uh, and the board in the USA production just makes it seem that much more ridiculous. And also, the, you know, this song, the lyrics of this song started out as Child Bride, which was a really slow, boring acoustic song like nebraska style song so i just picture bruce opening his notebook he's got these lyrics they just hammer this fucking song out in the studio like who knows if they, he even wrote it this way like they just played this shit and he sang it and then there you go and then it ends up on the album one of the biggest albums of all time too yeah, yeah. so oh my god to me it's really embarrassingly bad <laughs> and uh, and by the end of the song, he's in prison for kidnapping an underage girl, I think, which is the child bride, I guess, of the original title.
9: Friday nights, pay night Guys fresh out of work Talking about the weekend Trying to scrub off the dirt Trouble on their shirts Some driving down the stool just looking to get hurt. Holding that red flag, watching the traffic pass me by. How hard was the county out nine 95? I'll a whole red flag, watching traffic pass me by. All day I keep a picture of my baby.
5: So I was wondering if this was Bobby again Is this Bobby? <laughs> the guy that didn't pull out And then he crashed the car And uh, stand on it right? Yeah. And, and then and now he's kidnapping a fucking underage girl And he's on the chain gang at the end So Bobby gets well, around that's, that's
0: your there's, 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 Yeah this there's is a
5: first person song So I'm just guessing Bobby is singing this song From his point of view That,
0: girl's <laughs> brother and her family that like, I don't think gave him a chance So I think he was wrongfully Imprisoned on this song uh, <laughs> well, Child
5: Bride know. was the original <laughs> title, and I don't really know what else he's being arrested for. I mean, if he j- if the girl just goes with him on a cross country trip, you don't get arrested for that unless there's some other crime yeah, involved.
0: <laughs> you watch Chuck Berry; that
5: happens. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's the Man Act. <laughs> um, I just I don't know how this song ends up on the record. That's just what's baffling to me: is how is this on the album? I don't know.
0: I, uh, I love this song. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I would probably put this in my top 10 Bruce Springsteen songs. Oh. No,
5: that's not even possible. <laughs> Come on, you're just joking I, 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 around. I
0: born just... In the USA. This is the song that stood out for, for me. <laughs> like, it does Bruce.
5: stand out, <laughs>
0: but Bruce, not for is a, any good this reasons. Bruce, <laughs> this is the Bruce Rockabilly song on that album, and I love Rockabilly Bruce. And, like, I, uh, I think this is a great song. I love the train beat. I love that there's some rockabilly. I love the guitar tone i love the keyboard part you know man (laughs) i love the acoustic guitar on this
5: i would think i i would have to think even a rockabilly fan would think this song is a joke but (laughs) i guess not.
6: All right,
0: Lee. You're <laughs> up, Lee.
4: <laughs>
0: All right, so my number one. My number one. Oh, boy.
5: Number one, yeah.
0: Whos favorite Bruce Springsteen song of the 80s, I can legitimately say, is the song Fade Away from the River. I don't like this song. Bruce gets inspired by people, and you'll hear some of those influences in his writing. Like we said, he was influenced by the Ramones, and he wrote Hungry Heart. He was influenced by Elvis, and he wrote Fire. But here, he's influenced by Elvis Costello, and I don't like Elvis Costello. I don't like his first name. I don't like the way he sings. You know, uh, I, don't like, I don't like his glasses. And this song is Bruce <laughs> writing about some girl dumping him. You know, I don't like Desperate Bruce. He's not my kind of Bruce.
5: Uh,
0: <laughs> you know, once again, you got lame drums. You like drums. Child Bride
5: Bruce. <laughs> yeah, I like,
0: <laughs> I like Child Bride Bruce, yeah. yeah. <laughs> once again, you got lame drums on this. Like, Max just, like, playing acrostic. Wow. Uh, way too much piano. Like, barely any guitar on this song. You know, I like the organ solo on this. Danny gets a pretty good organ solo on this. But again, the drums behind it are too soft. You know, the, I would have liked some... A little, you know, pick up there in the drums. Uh, and this was a single. I have no idea why it made the album, let alone it was a single. Wow. Like, the B side of this was Be True, which I think is an amazing song. That should have been the A side. That should have been on the record. This huh. should have been the throwaway B side. Uh, I don't like Fade Away. This is uh, known as one of Stephen Van Zandt's favorite Bruce Springsteen
5: songs. I don't get it. Uh, wow. Not a fan of this song.
6: <laughs> I'm really surprised. I'm really surprised. Yeah. yeah.
5: Well, I've, I always thought it was baffling that that was the second single too, and I fully agree that "Be True" is like a billion times better yeah. of a song. But d- you know, "Fade Away" at least is like a melodic song that's not doesn't make me nauseous, so it's never gonna yeah. make my list. But uh, it's definitely not one of his finest moments. I would agree with that. It's probably one of the worst songs on the river. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I just never liked it. But like, like I gotta say before this, like. You know it's still better than you know a lot of those other songs like if we'd be able to pick worse of the 90s worth of the 2000s you know fade away would never have been considered but uh
5: oh but i love elvis costello so i don't know what's what's I just never got,
0: i just never got into his whiny voice and i
5: don't know <laughs> <laughs> not enough car. not enough songs about pussy of cars right? exactly. Exactly.
0: yeah he doesn't rock man he doesn't, he doesn't... He doesn't rock to, to have that name Elvis as
5: far as I'm concerned. <laughs>
0: Declan. Yeah, Declan suits him better.
5: Yeah. <laughs> oh boy, I'm I'm anxious to hear what Brian's number one is. <laughs> My number
6: one worst Bruce Springsteen song of the 80s is Working on the Highway. <laughs> working
4: on the Highway
5: Yeah, I kind of saw that coming. <laughs> yeah.
6: My notes were, let's see, fuck this song. <laughs> so here's the thing about this, with this Ooh, song. Harsh, now, now if, here's the thing for me. If they would have removed this song and put in Murder Incorporated, they would have had the perfect Bruce record for the 80s. A, you know, there's not such a thing as a perfect album for Bruce because he's got a few, but this... That was the one change they need for me that needed to make to this album, and they would have nailed it. Turf working on the highway, put on Murder Incorporated, and done. It's a weak song. Shouldn't have been there. I don't like it at all. In fact, it makes me rather angry how much I dislike it.
5: <laughs> <laughs> and do you think it's just Bruce reading the notebook and the band just playing like a standard jam, and then that's the song? That's kind of what I think it is. Yeah, I don't think...
0: I don't TV think ears I, It's standard, man. It's not a standard jam, and you got like a lot of intricacies going on there. Yeah, but
5: the, you know, he already had. He already used these lyrics. These are lyrics that were a completely different song, you know, which I think you know lends credence to my theory that it's <laughs> just a flip open the notebook. Let's play this shit.
6: <laughs> I don't know about that, but I think that this song. I think he added it to the record because it's different.
5: Yeah, you wanted
6: to have a you know, one you know cover one more thing and, and add the song. But I think he sacrificed a far superior song to do so. But he already had some rocking stuff on the album, so he could get rid of Murder Incorporated. But Murder Incorporated is a fucking killer song.
5: Yeah, it is. Yeah. It's one of those, one of many Bruce songs that it's kind of baffling that he didn't put on his records. But yeah. Exactly. Oh,
6: I, I
0: stand by it. I love working on the highway. <laughs> I love playing <laughs> drums to it, I love playing guitar to it, I love singing it. It's a fun song, it's good live. <laughs> when he played in 2012 and you know i was down in the pit great show and you know talking to all the bruce fans we were saying what song do you want to hear live what song do you want me to open with and we all had our bets right and uh you know my bet was working on the highway one of the one of my favorite songs i had never seen live and uh you know he came out that night and he opened the show with it so oh wow he walked down to his little small stage there with his acoustic guitar and uh you know
5: rock they working on the highway so corner that what are the odds they must have had a listening device down there in the in the crowd or something alright <laughs> alright BJ oh we're at my number one my okay. number
6: one
5: I don't even know if this is a song honestly um, but whatever you want to call it it's bad uh, it's the first song on Tunnel of Love well song I used the word loosely um Ain't got you. I've always fucking hated it so much. I got the fortunes of heaven and
9: diamonds and gold. I got all the bonds, baby, that the bank could hold. Well, I got houses across the country, honey. End to end, and everybody but who wants to be my friend. Well, I got all the riches, baby, and man ever knew. But the only thing I ain't got, honey. I got I got a house full of Rembrandt and priceless art, And all the little girls They wanna tear me apart When I walk down the street People stop and stare Well, you think I might be thrilled But baby, I don't care Cause I got more good luck, honey Than old King Baruch But the only thing I got a big diamond watch sitting on my wrist I tried to tempt you, baby, but you just resist I made a deal with the devil, baby I won't deny until I got you in my arms I can't be satisfied I got a pound of heavy all Sitting home on ice I got a fancy foreign car like paradise I got a hundred pretty women Man, I seen the four I've been around the world And all across the seven seas Been paid a king to ransom for doing What comes naturally But I'm still a biggest fool on this world ever new Cause the only thing I've got, baby I ain't got you
5: It's, uh, what the fuck is it? Uh, is uh, I you know I said it's an improvised chant <laughs> I don't really it's an improvised chant about being extremely wealthy but married to Julianne Phillips instead of Patty Scalpha. I don't know what the fuck the song is but uh opening the record with it was insane to me but luckily the rest of the album was better well not according to you guys but <laughs> but um oh it's only two minutes long is this just like it it's almost just like an intro right oh, is and a true? song yeah
0: that's how I kind of look at it. As he's starting this album with like a, just a basic, you know, like a blues premise. I ain't got you song, which has been written many times before, and this is just his take on that. I ain't got you vibe, and he's playing it all kind of acoustically. And I love the juxtaposition between this song and how it goes right into uh, tougher than the rest with that kind of keyboard part. And it's really kind of unsettling how this, you know, it this is opens unsettling. The album up. Yeah, and it kind of sets the theme for the the album too. I was uh. just thinking about loss of love, right. Well, I love I also, Tougher I also Than think the Rest. You
6: want to, I also think you want to start the record and show that this is not bored in the USA. Yeah. Off the top, it's just like you're in for something different. You know, it made it very clear from second one.
5: I guess. I can see that. I just hate it. I think it's horrible. <laughs> I would never listen to it. And I love Tougher Than the Rest. It's like, why is this in the way? <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. But I actually like the Tougher Than the Rest from the uh, Chimes of Freedom more. Anyways. Yeah, I like
0: that one better. It's slower, too. The, uh, yeah. it's, that's the one case where the live version is slower than the uh, studio version.
5: But yeah, Ink at You was just going to be my number one from the start. So, But I guess it's not the greatest closer. It's not the greatest climactic <laughs> pick.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
5: I was going to make a joke and ask, ask Lee what his favorite Bruce song from the 80s was and then you would say that was my number one. But... <laughs> So my list wasn't all rockabilly. I had to when I was when I was listening to the river. I had to admit that even though I'm not a huge fan of like "Crush on You" and "You Can Look But You Better Not Touch" and stuff, they're not they weren't gonna make my list of the worst. Um,
0: you know, I can see how you guys don't like working on the highway, but uh, Ramrod is just a, that's a, <laughs> it's just unacceptable. That's unacceptable for rock.
6: <laughs> I love how I had three picks that you guys also chose, maybe not both, but you, you know, I, I had some some overlap, and then two where you guys both thought I was a complete idiot for choosing. So that was good.
5: <laughs> there was no song that all three of us picked, right? No. That's cool.
6: No, like my overlap, I'd work on the highway, Ramrod, and Cautious Man. Yeah. Did, did you did, did you two agree on any songs?
5: No, no. I don't think so. Right? No. I don't think so. Huh? No, Lee. I totally love that you love you love like the classic rock and roll and like R and B and stuff. I just yeah. what my see, favorite thing... stuff is just more melodic yeah. than that. Like not simp- not simple, I guess. You know, but just... all those words are objective, right? So. Yeah.
0: And see the thing I like about that, like I know how people say, oh, it's just the same three blues chords over and over again, or it's just like a simple rock and roll beat rhythm. But what I like about that is is that's the fact. That's why I love it. It's because here's my take here's our take on these these simple chords and this rock and roll, and this is where we're going to play and we're going to show how we play this style of music, right? And it's 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 not easy to play rock and roll and blues, and that's where you kind of show off your musicianship playing these songs. So I get I get right into that, and when they when the band plays Ramrod live in concert, it's a it's a it's a show for what you know great musicians they are playing those simple two chords and just making them feel so good for 10 minutes.
6: Seven minutes too long.
5: <laughs> cool. Well, like working on the highway is number two and number one on two of these lists, so that's uh, that's probably the biggest offender here out of all. <laughs> <laughs> but I was kind of expecting that.
6: <laughs> yeah, that was no big
5: surprise. No. No,
6: yeah. I almost put Hungry Heart as my number one just because I knew it would piss you off a bit more. <laughs> but, uh... Yeah. BJ Okay
5: see you, Brian All right see you, man Okay later guys
0: I'll be back
8: So, that's the show, folks. Thanks for listening. You can find us on our website at TrampsLikeUsPod.com, communicate with us on Facebook at our Us Podcast group page, and on Twitter at TrampsLikeUsPod. Don't forget to subscribe to the show on iTunes where you can leave a review and a five star rating. Us Podcast is a non profit audio fanzine created by fans, for fans, and is available for free. We are not affiliated with Bruce Springsteen or Columbia Sony Records. If you've heard any music you like, please find it and purchase it from BruceSpringsteen.net, iTunes, Amazon, your local record store, or wherever music is sold. As always, gratitude and respect to Bruce Springsteen and all past and current members of the heart-stopping, pants-dropping, hard-rocking, booty-shaking, earth love-making, viagra-taking, history-making, testifying, death-defying, legendary... E Street Band.